Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 14 to verse 16. The Bible says there was a little city. And few men, right? Or, um, let, let, let me just read mine from here. It says, this wisdom I've also seen under the sun. And it seemed great unto me. It says, there was a little city and few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a what? Who was found in it? What are those three words? Poor wise man, right? And he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same. How was he referred to before? How was he referred to now? So when your wisdom does not convert to riches, men will forget your wisdom. In it was found a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same. So the Bible is making us understand it's not a different man, it's the same man. It says nobody remembered that same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's what? Wisdom is despised, and his what? His words are not hard. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. Listen, let me read it to you. It says, Here is another bit of wisdom that has impressed me as I have watched the way our world works. Did you hear that? The way our what? Our world works. It says, There was a small town with only a few people and a great king came with his army and besieged it. A poor wise man knew how to save the town. And so it was rescued. But afterward, no one thought to thank him. <laughs> he says, so even though wisdom is better than strength, those who are wise will be despised if they are poor. He says, what they say will not be appreciated for long. Haven't you noticed in every family meeting, okay, maybe you are not old enough. In every family meeting, the person they listen to is the person dropping money. Nobody cares about the opinion of a broke person. So this month, I want to give us balance. Let me tell you this. Mm. The only thing God compares himself to in scriptures is money. Huh? He didn't compare himself to the devil. He said you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the God of money. He didn't say you can't serve God and the devil. That one is very obvious. The one that is not so obvious is that many people are serving money. They think they are serving God. You can't pursue the two together. It's either you are serving God or you are serving money. And the thing about serving God is that when you serve God, the money will come. Say surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing will be added unto you. Haven't you ever noticed that I did not tell you what to seek next? Because when you seek him first, there will be no need to seek other things. This month will be amazing. Amen. According to Howard Gardner, professor of cognition and education in Harvard University, there are different types of intelligence. It says there are seven. Number one, linguistics intelligence. Number two, logic intelligence. Number three, natural, naturalist intelligence. And four, kinesthetic intelligence, redeeming intelligence, spatial intelligence, social intelligence, and introspective intelligence. That's not what I want to focus on this morning. But you see, the intelligence he did not mention is financial intelligence. And there is need for... You see... If you have rhythmic intelligence, that's musical intelligence. If you have linguistics, that's verbal intelligence. That is, you are good with words. You know how to write. You know people like you know like Mrs. Ezekiel. You know people with verbal um, linguistics and they are good with words. Someone like you know Elin Brooks. They are good with music. That's rhythmic intelligence. Usain Bolt. That's kinesthetic intelligence. People who are good with their body, golfers, footballers, kaka. All those. Who are those footballers? I don't watch them. Ronaldo. <laughs> I still cannot explain. <laughs> Let's leave that. <laughs> Praise God. You notice they didn't mention financial intelligence. And you say financial intelligence is critical to your survival on this earth. It is critical. You see, I'm going to be as simple as I can this month. But let me tell you this. Simple things does not mean useless things. The problem with many of us is we are looking for things that are so complex. If I tell everybody now to break through financially in this month of May, 
bring a gallon of anointing oil. Go on seven days dry fast. You know, and be coming to church every day. 5 a.m. We will pray till 12 p.m. Don't go to work. He said, wow. Yanua <laughs> Shele. A miracle will happen this month. I'm telling you all that so that you will know that the things I'm going to be teaching you are as powerful as if you are doing those things. As a matter of fact, if you do those things and you don't do the things I'm going to be teaching you this month, huh? all those things can be a waste. If you pour oil on an empty head, it will only reproduce emptiness. Oil only amplifies. The anointing only amplifies what it meets on ground. It only amplifies. That's why the Bible admonishes. Apostle Paul was admonishing his son Timothy. He says, don't lay hands on any man suddenly. You need to be sure of what is already on the inside of him before you lay hands. Because if you lay hands on emptiness, it can even multiply and amplify the emptiness. Haven't you seen a lot of people that hands have been laid on and you cannot see traces of the hands being laid? I remember years ago, you know, young people growing up when began to have an understanding, you know, of kingdom mysteries. I just some somewhere deep within me, I just knew that mm-mm, there is something more than this. Some of my colleagues will just be going around to different men of God, lay hands on me, sir, lay hands on me, sir. Something within me just knew this this cannot be the totality of this thing. Praise the Lord. The global income of the church, as of two years ago, when the research was done, this 2019 statistics, the global income of the church, that's global, right, is $161 billion. And before you start thinking that is money, listen. And 35% of that income is from the churches in the United States. The global income of the drug industry is $400 billion. You didn't get what I just said. The global income of pornography industry is $200 billion. The global income of magicians, psychics, and new age modern witchcraft is $150 billion. So... You are trying to reach a world that has more resources than you. It's the man or woman that has the greatest resources that will push the agenda the more. That's why if the average believer, if the church, if we don't embrace the calling of making money, let me tell you this, many of you will, (laughs) or many of us, let's put ourselves together, will raise children in godless environments. Because the media has made up his mind to force godlessness down your truth, and they are doing it in a subtle way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. One of my own dreams and desires is that in this house, we will raise actors and actresses that we do movies that will not be tied to Christian film. Because many of those Christian films, you don't even watch it. True or true? Because once you just see it, you just see the plug. Ah, what is this? Hollywood does not tell you the title of this movie is The Acceptance of LGBT. No. They simply give you a romantic movie. The actor will, be, will almost die. Somebody will just come to rescue him. And he will be an LGBT guy. Say, this guy is even good. He's kind. He's nice. They will paint the picture of somebody going to church. When you saw that man, like the Samaritan, you just say, ah, I don't want to make church service. He leaves the man. So before you know it, so prefer the gay guy. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm just telling you some people have an agenda. The drug industry also has an agenda. And some of it has been passed in some countries. Very soon, if the church does not do something, uh, and doing something is not just praying, it is having resources to push policies. If we pray and we don't have enough resources to sponsor people that we further God's agenda in governance, we are wasting our time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why one of the things that irritates me is when I see young people playing away their life. Watching too much Netflix, entertainment, listening to all the music. You should spend your youthful years making money. Start making money. You see, you are not too young to make money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
You are not too young. You are not too young. But let me tell you this. You can't be focused, obsessed with entertainment. And have an understanding of the things I'll be talking to you about. God himself said, he said, true prosperity in my city shall be spread abroad. So if there is no prosperity, it simply means the gospel is spreading nowhere. The gospel is not preached by mouth. It is preached by resources. This mic costs money. This auditorium costs money. Huh? We didn't get it in tongues. The chair you are sitting on costs money. The speakers cost money. The AC costs money. The gem powering it costs money. And the reason why it's not powering it well is because there is need for a bigger gem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, every, even the clothes you are wearing, you didn't wear it in tongues. You didn't get it in tongues. You used money to get it. Your phone costs money. Everything costs money. So why do we think the gospel will not cost money? Why? And let me tell you this. The amount of money you push into, God, into the gospel is largely dependent on the amount of souls that will be saved. That's just the truth. You cannot get out of something what you are willing to invest in it, what you are not willing to invest in it. The ministry of Rehad Bonke blossomed in Africa. Why? Because there was a major partner, Kenneth Copeland Ministries, that was funding it. It's not known to the public, but there is a backup, financial backup somewhere. And Kenneth Copeland has been doing that for over 30 years. He said God told him to raise the to win a number of souls. And he said, I've met a man whose goal, whose vision is to win souls. So I've been called to teach faith. He said, so let's partner together. You go preach the gospel, I will fund it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My desires and my prayer is that God will raise you to be a kingdom giant. In the name of Jesus. Because the foundation of it is you need to understand the purpose of prosperity for the believer. God wants you to live the best of life. But let me tell you, there is a level your resources get to. That you know, you should just know, it is beyond me. Because after you have worn the clothes, bought the shoes, driven the cars, how many cars do you want to drive in a day? How many rooms do you want to sleep in a night? Except you are beginning to have nightmares. And something is going wrong upstairs. Even if you sleep, you have a six-bedroom house. Huh? You cannot sleep in the six-bedroom per night. Except something is already going on somewhere. He said, because the six room, I sleep one hour in per room. You can't even enjoy that kind of sleep. That's why God looked at the guy and called him a rich fool. The guy that experienced abundance. He said, I will pull down my bounds. I will build bigger ones. I will say to my soul, relax, enjoy. You have come into your rest. And God said, no, no, no. You don't understand the purpose of this thing. He said, tonight, your soul will be required from you. God is looking for people to entrust with wealth. And you are not too young to be entrusted with it. God has no business passing something to you if he knows that it will flow through you. God is looking for channels, not reservoirs. And do you know stagnant water stinks? It stinks. I came across a quote many years ago. He said, money is like manure. He says, when you spread it, it makes, it makes things grow. When you pile it, it stinks. I never forgot it. Money is like manure. The purpose is to make things grow. It's not to pile it up. It's not to pile it up. Hmm. Praise God. According to theologians, Jesus spoke more about money. And it is true if you study the scriptures. Jesus spoke more about money than he spoke about faith and prayer combined. In fact, he spoke more about things that had to do with finances more than heaven and hell combined. Most of the parables of Jesus were parables that had to do with finances. The parable of, the ta- of, of talents. He's not talking about your ability to sing or dance or draw. No. Talent is a currency that was used back in the days. But we have turned into a talent. What's your talent? What's your talent? My talent is to sing. Nigeria's got talent. No, that's not what the Bible is talking about. A man was given talent. A talent, I, I, I think, is a year's, um, the equivalent of the year's wage. It's talking about money. It's talking about money. Hmm. And if money is important to Jesus, it must be important to you. 
It must be important to you. It's so important that Jesus, in his manifesto, the first set of people he said he was sent to is the poor. Luke 4 and verse 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Because what the poor needs is not undoubt. What they need is money. Ah, sorry, what they need is the gospel, not money. Let me tell you this. You can give money to the poor from today till 10 years time. It will not change the status of the poor. Because people don't become poor because of the absence of cash. They become poor because poverty is a spiritual state. One of the things I'm going to explain to you, I hope I'll be able to get there, is understanding the difference between the needy and the poor. They are two different things. That's why the Bible differentiates them. The poor and the needy are not the same. The poor are your opportunities to become wealthy. Oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself this morning. Somebody didn't get what I just said. Don't worry, you'll get it. You'll get it. Hmm. It was Martin Luther King who said, I love this quote. He said, any religion that claims to be concerned about people without addressing the economic conditions that strangle them is a dry and useless religion. So he said, ah, we believe in God, we believe in God. People are suffering, you don't care. Just say, no, believe in God. Heaven is your goal. Heaven is the goal, yes, we know. But you are not going yet. Do you want to go now? So while you are still here, you need resources. While you are still here, you need what? 12 mindsets that keep people poor very quickly. And you need to understand that a mindset is a belief system that people have embraced over time and they've considered to be sacredly, um, sacredly true. What do I mean by that? Certain you know, things that they've embraced. They don't even confirm again whether those things are true. They've just embraced it as sacred. Nobody, you know, uh, they don't want anybody to tamper with those beliefs or with those truths. What are those things we have accepted as being true that you don't even question anymore? Those are your belief systems. What are those mindsets that keep people poor? Number one, they say money will not make you happy. Have you heard that before? Money will not make you happy. That's a, that's a poverty mindset. If you say money will not make you happy, it's because you don't know where to shop. You don't know where to spend money. I hear what I'm saying. See, there is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is from the word happenings. When there is money, you can make things happen. When you are making things happen, when things are happening, you will be happy. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. That is what money cannot produce. So you can be in poverty and be joyful. But wouldn't you rather be joyful in abundance? Money does not make people happy. Ah, money does not make... You see, those are poor mindsets. It's, it's, it's the money does not make people happy. Sit down there. You don't have enough of it. That's why. Hmm. Number two mindset that keeps people poor. Huh. Please listen to this. Is that they believe the harder and longer I work, the more money I will get. The harder I work, I work, and the longer I work, the more money I will get. You know, that's the hustler's creed. That's why people also you do more, you do more, you do more. It's not about doing more, it's about doing what is right. Isaac was going to jump on the all-slim bound wagon in Genesis chapter, 20, uh, chapter 26. And God said to him, no, you will not go down to Egypt like your father. Stay here and I will bless you here. Don't do what everybody is doing. The fact, I think I said it in the first service. The fact that you are doing what everybody is doing does not mean you will get what they are getting. God might have told them to do what they are doing. Did God tell you to do what they did? So Isaac saw his father relocate. So he said, the natural thing is to relocate. And God said, no, 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 no. I told your father to relocate. I didn't tell you. He said, stay here. And the Bible says, in that same land, where nothing was working for others, because God told him to stay there. The Bible says, in that same land, that same year, Isaac sowed and he reaped a hundredfold, a hundredfold, a hundredfold. Why? Because God told him to stay there. The harder and longer you work, hard work is good. It is essential. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But it has to be hard work uh, in the right direction. In the right direction. In Lamentations 5 and verse 9. The Bible says we get our bread at the risks of our lives. That's 
how many people are living. Their bread comes at the risks of their existence. So we got our bread with the peril of our lives at the risks of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. So many people believe, ah, I must just, must do it. Ah, we die here. God didn't say you should die there. No, no, why, why do you want to die? He said, we die here. He said, what's that? Question your mindset. Question your ideologies. Are they in alignment with scriptures? Where did you get those mindsets from? Where did you get them from? Definitely you didn't get them from the Bible. Must have gotten them from social media. Or traditional media. Or from family and friends. Let me tell you, the fact that somebody does three jobs does not mean they will break through financially. Ask your relatives in the U.S. And in the U.K. Ask them. Many of them have traveled. They've not been able to come home. It's not because they don't want to come home. It's because there is not enough money. So it's not about the more. The, if, I, if I do more, you do this, you do this, you do this. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. It's doing the right work. It's not doing plenty jobs. See, hustling is laboring without a consciousness of divine partnership. I've told us this several times. Hustling is anti-covenant. There is no body in the covenant, right, that was blessed through hustling. None. 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 Not one. From Genesis to Revelation, nobody was blessed through hustling. The third mindset that keeps people poor is if I pray hard and long enough, God will give me some money. <laughs> some people don't say that, but it's a belief. You see, mindsets are not what people say. It is what controls their action. If I can pray, ah, God will just give me some money. Ask the prophet that left his wife and children in debt. What to tell me the prophet was not praying? The Bible did not even say it was a priest. He said it was a prophet. Prophet is higher office. <laughs> Here the prophet was broke. It means you can be spiritual and be broke. And God will be speaking to you in that spirituality. Am I making sense this morning? Number four mindset that keeps people poor is that they believe money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. They even quote the Bible. <laughs> say, money is the Bible did not say that. He didn't say that. It says the love of money, and there are two different things. First Timothy 6 and verse 10. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some are strayed from the faith in their greediness. They pierce themselves through with many sorrows. So how do you know you love money when money begins to take you away from God? He said, many have strayed away from the faith. You see, they have heard from the faith. The love he's talking about here is an obsession. The willingness to do anything, legal or illegal, just to make money. If we are doing illegal things in this house, stop this money. Because we agree in faith with you that it will catch you before the end of this month. You don't need to say amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if they are a supporter of them, they will catch you together. Because you cannot be a believer. You have so many opportunities. You see, you cannot give your environment as the reason for doing unjust things. Is it because it's the environment? It's because the environment. No, 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 no. Isaac was in a place where things were not, was not working. There was famine. The Bible did not even say economic. There was famine. That is, nothing was growing. Yet, he planted and things were growing. Why? Because of the covenant. Because of the covenant. So, money is not the root of all evil. It is the love of it that is the root of all evil. That's why you see people taking their bath at cemeteries. Cut so for me. <laughs> Before you go and collect nonsense soap. <laughs> Number five mindset that keeps people poor, mindset that keeps people poor, is money is not that important. Some people don't say it, but somewhere in their mind, just say, is money that important? It's in a character. Character is good. It is very important. Huh? But money is important. 
It's just a mindset. It's a mind- and you see, these things, if you don't track it, it can keep you on the same spot for life. It doesn't, is money that important? All these things, vanity upon vanity. The man that said vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. The Bible tells us he was the richest man. So before you say that nonsense, be rich. You say vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. All, all, all is vanity. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 12. The Bible says wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. <laughs> he said, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. What does it mean? It says it means money can defend you. It can defend you from sickness. It can defend you from shame. How can it defend you from sickness? You have money to eat the right food. Not by in the morning, by in the afternoon, by in the evening. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So something our money is, is not important. It's not important. It is important. It is important. Money can deliver you from shame. It can defend you from shame. Because the Bible says it's a defense. So money is important. Money is important. In Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 19, the Bible says money answers everything. You see, one thing I've noticed is a lot of people, they say things like money is not important in public, but in private, they are praying for it. Say, so, what is it? It's not really... How these things, you know, it's just vanity upon vanity. How about these things? Everything, the world are not the thing daring. It shall pass away, but only the word of the Lord. You know, they sound spiritual. But when they are at home, Father, do it. God, God, touch their hearts. Let them give me money. They're even targeting specific individuals. God, like the close brothers who was here today, put it in his heart that he should wrap it and give it to me. They are praying. I don't know. I hope you are not like this. There's nobody like that this morning. But you know what the Bible tells us? It says God will do according to what you ask and imagine. Let me tell you this. The law of mathematics tells us that plus times plus is what? Is plus. Plus times minus is what? Is minus. So your declaration in public is minus. Your declaration in private is plus. Plus times minus will give you a negative outcome. So you are saying negative. Yes, money is not that important. But at home, father, what you will get is minus. You will not get the money. Never deny your need for money. Only hypocrites do that. The sixth mindset that keeps people poor is that they believe that the poorer you are, the purer you become. Okay, you don't have that mindset. I thank God on your behalf. There are sex, there are, do you know there are, you know, there are Christian circles where people take vows of poverty? Oh, you don't know? People take poverty vows. You heard this guy say, is it Proverbs 30? He said, God don't give me too much. Remember that guy? And some of us use that prayer point. The question is, let me tell you, in the interpretation of scripture, there are things that are warned in, in scriptures. There are things that are warnings. There are things that are instructions. There are things that are promises. Everything in the Bible is not a promise. So, Father, like even that man said, don't give me too much. Is it a promise? No. It's not. Poverty is not a sign of holiness. So. And... <laughs> And lack of money does not mean you are spiritual. In fact, it can even mean that you are not spiritually sound enough and sensitive for you to hear the leading of the Spirit to tell you where your money is. Number seven. Some people believe Jesus was poor and I want to be like Jesus. In fact, I have even had this. I had one recently from someone I respect so much, a man of God, and he was trying to explain how Jesus was not rich. Ha! I quickly turned it off. Because when I mean a man of God that I respect, someone that if I mention the name now, almost everybody here, if you listen to you, we know. I said, what's this man saying? I said, no, 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 no. So that I can, be, I can receive from him in all that direction, I quickly turned it off. Because I'm like, well, what is this? Jesus was not poor. Let me tell you why I know Jesus was not poor. The Bible tells us that there was a time the disciples of John, they came to Jesus. It was towards evening. And they said, Master, where do you live? 
And Jesus said, come along with me. And the Bible says they went and they spent the night with him. And the house was by the seashore. Poor people don't build houses by the seashore. Even in this age and time, if you have a house by the beach, it's an expensive property. And the house was not a chocolate house. It was a house that could house guests. Jesus did not, you see, when, what many people say is, you know, even Jesus said, um, the best of the beds of the air, they have nests. The fox of the they have caves. But the son of man, what Jesus was saying there was not that he was poor. He was trying to talk about the demand on his ministry. That is, he is always moving from place to place. That he doesn't have a permanent residence in every place. That there are places he will get to if we have no place to lay his head. That's what he was saying. Another reason why you know Jesus was not poor is that he had a treasurer. If you are poor, do you need a treasurer? What are they keeping? Huh? What are they? Because if you know where all your money is, who do, why do you need an accountant? And for you to know how rich he was, Judas was stealing and Jesus didn't mind. If somebody steals your money and you see a lot, even if your wife withdraws your money, you know how you will call. What is... <laughs> but Jesus was stealing and Jesus knew. The Bible says he knew. But he didn't see anything. The third proof that Jesus was not poor. Should I give you more? The third proof was that the Bible says when he moved from place to place, he will be in a sheep. Sheep, canoe, and boat, they are not the same thing. Because the Bible told us that there was a time he was sleeping. Do you know a canoe? Can you sleep in a canoe? And he was moving with 12 disciples. Can a canoe contain 12 people? It was a sheep, a yacht. Jesus was not poor. He was not poor. So this ideology of hey, Jesus was poor. You see, even the Bible tells us in one of Paul's letters to the Corinthian church, I think 2 Corinthians 9, 8 or 8, 9. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich. So where did people get that from? said he was rich, but because of you and I, he became poor. Where did he become poor? On the cross. Because the cross was the place where an exchange took place. He says he became, you see, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might be what? Might be rich. So if you are not rich, you have wasted the work of Christ on the cross. You see, Jesus did not just die so that you will go to heaven. He also died so that you might be rich. Because poverty, like I said earlier, is not the absence of cash. It's a spiritual reality. And we are going to deal with that this month. Another mindset that keeps people poor is they believe that making money is very difficult. If you believe making money is very difficult, you will never make it. Because what you believe is what you become and what you expect is what you experience. If you believe making money is very difficult, it will be difficult for you to make enough of it. The ninth mindset that keeps people poor is that they believe the rich are dishonest. The rich are dishonest. The rich are dishonest. Somebody cannot be that honest and be this rich. There's even a saying where I come from the Yoruba tribe. They say the bottom part of wealth is thinking. It's salior or leg me. That's the only way I can interpret it. That is the foundation of wealth is, is not pure. It's a cultural belief. So when they see a rich man, he has done something. He just didn't tell us he has done something. So when they meet the average rich person, I say, Oh, you do this, you didn't say it can't be that simple. Mm-mm. There is something. Why must there be something? It's a mindset. It's a mindset. Some people just believe that rich people they are, they are, they are very hard. Or one yimowo. That's why they say it where I come from. That is, they are tight-fisted with money. It's a mindset. Let me tell you this. One of the things I've discovered is the richer you become, the more generous you become. So it's a negative mindset. How can you give people what you don't have? You can only wish them well. You have not paid your own school fees. Somebody tells you I have not paid my school fees. What will you do? Sell yourself to pay school fees. I'm like, ah, Mitch, I have not paid my own. God will help all of us. That's all you can do. In fact, from observation, one thing I've come to realize is this. Poor people are the most dishonest people. Especially when there is now one rich person in the midst of many poor people. 
they will do whatever it takes to siphon money out of that person. One of the things I've observed, that's why as you are rising, trust God to also ensure everyone around you they are rising. Or else they will become a snare unto you in the future. That's why you see families that one person, there's only one rich person. A rich man in the midst of poor people is a poor man. He's not rich. Because they will lie, do whatever it takes to get money out of him or her. And some of you that maybe you are the only one God is really blessing in your family. Pray for your family members for God to also lift them. Or get messages like this across to them. Because you cannot truly enjoy your wealth and your supplies if everyone around you is not well provided for. You can't. Another mindset that keeps people poor is that they believe that whatever will be, will be. Only God knows who will be rich in life. Whatever will be, will be. It's a belief of predestination. You know, there are some religions, right? And it's even prevalent in our own society where they believe it is the destiny of some people to be rich. It's the destiny of some people to be taken care of by the rich. It's predestination. You just believe, ah, that's how God made it. <laughs> I had the story of a woman who told her son, you know, because she took the, uh, the son, right, for an event. And there were some things that she just couldn't get for the son. And the son asked the mom. He said, mom, why is it that we are so poor? <laughs> and the mom said, we are not poor because of God. We are poor because your father has not chosen to be anything else. That guy, I've forgotten his name, became one of the first wealthy black Americans in the United States. Because his mom told him from it was the time where women were not allowed to walk. It was only men that were allowed to walk. So he said, We are not poor because of God. We are poor because your father has not decided to be anything else. Remember the story of Jephthah? The Bible says he took his life in his hands. He took his life in his hands. In Deuteronomy 10 30 and verse 19, God said, Choose life. He says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you. And I've said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He says, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. The next mindset that keeps people poor is that they believe I'm not good with handling money. How many of us have said that recently? I'm not good with handling money. <laughs> Nobody was born with the capacity to handle money. We learn it. So we mean, I'm not good, I'm not good, you know. I mean, I just don't know how to do money. <laughs> and they think they should be pitied. No, you should be beaten. As an adult, you don't know how to undo money. Your financial freedom is your responsibility. It's no, it is no one else's job. It is yours. Number 12. Mindset that kills people poor is that they believe that God will send someone to take care of them. They believe God will just send someone to take care of them. Some expect a rich relative to share with them in the spoils of their success, quote and unquote. And when this doesn't happen, they get angry and they get resentful. They now say, that your uncle is, 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 is not nice. As if being nice is a fruit of the Spirit. Be like Jephthah. Take your life in your hands. You say, let God use whoever he wants to use as a channel to bless you. Stop putting your attention and your focus on other people's labor. Some people just look at certain people. Maybe friends, family, you know. One of the things that has helped me is that as a last child, uh, and the only boy, I never expected too much, quote and unquote, from my, from my, from my siblings, from my sisters, my other sisters. Uh, they have to take care of me. They have to. Why should they? Why should they do that? If I had that mindset, I would not be where I am now. I would not be where. I... Did they help me? Of course they did. But it was not. I didn't see it as a right. The reason why many people are so backward in life is you are too. You are too right. Right conscious. Like it's my right. It's not your right. Even your father's house is not your right. He can chase you out, and he has the right to do that. Because it's his house. It's not yours. It's not yours. 
at your age, you are still arguing over the size of meat they are giving you in your father's house. As I round up this morning, let me tell you five foundational pillars of continuous financial supplies. The foundation of continuous financial supplies. Number one is decision. The pillar of decision. You must decide that you are going to make money. You must decide you are going to be blessed. <laughs> and a decision is different from a wish. There are so many people who wish to be blessed, but they have not decided to be blessed. The difference between a wish and a desire is that a desire also starts with a wish, but it is backed up with action. So you see the prodigal son. He said, ah, what have I done? This is a stupid decision. He said, I will go to my father's house. I will say to my father, I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against God. Accept me as one of your servants, not even one of your sons. And the Bible says, and he arose and went to his father. Many people would have just said, I will go, and they will go nowhere. That's not a decision. The woman with the issue of blood, she said to herself, if I can but just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole." She was not just saying it. She went and she touched and she was healed. That's a decision. Anything you say you are going to do that you have not started doing is not a decision. It's a wish. It's a wish. And wishes don't produce anything. Your decision is what determines your destiny. It's not your condition. Everybody is under the same condition. For instance, in this same country, people are prospering and people are getting poorer. It's the same condition. Different decisions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Same condition. Number two pillar for continuous financial supplies is the pillar of selling. Somebody say selling. Somebody say selling. Are we still in church? Yes. Yes, we are in church. You must learn how to sell or else you will starve. Pastor, is that biblical? Yes. Second Kings chapter 4. The prophet's widow, when she came to Elijah, Elisha told her there will be an initiation of the miraculous. But if this thing is going to be sustained, go and sell. She did not, he did not say go and pray. He did not say go and fast for 40 days and 40 nights. He said go and sell. And live on what you are selling. He said go and sell. You must learn number one how to sell yourself. Number two, you must learn how to sell a product or service. When you go for a job interview, what you are going is not an interview. What you, are, what you are going for is not an interview. What you are going for is a sales pitch. You are going to sell yourself. That's what you are going there to do. Because from the moment you enter, they are already sizing you up. They are listening to your words, checking your body language. All those things is part of selling. I did a series on that last year. You will do well to go to the website and download all the messages and listen to it. Because it's not part of what I want to cover in this series. But you must learn how to sell. It was not a king that told the prophet to go and say, it was a prophet. Prophet Elisha. Prophet Elisha, one of the most anointed prophets in scripture. So, you do, so that you will not think it's something carnal. If it had come through a Peter, you will say Peter was a businessman. That's why he said that. Elisha was a prophet. He was the one that told the woman, go and sell. If you don't want to starve, if you don't want to go back into a problem, financial penury with your children, go and sell. Learn how to sell. Nobody is born with it. They learn it. They learn it. Learn how to sell online. Learn how to sell offline. Instead of posting a post-school post. Huh? Things that have no bearing with your destiny. Posting memes up and down. Post things that will bring in money. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? Young people, are you hearing me? You are posting the latest album that just dropped. How will that pay your bills? By now, you are old enough to be sending something home. And I'm coming to that. You know I always come to that. You don't have to like it, but the truth must be said. It's the covenant. It's scriptures. Oh, if your parent does not send something, you are getting angry. You are over 18. You should be responsible for your life. Anything your parents do for you, the moment you are eating, you're already an adult. In sinner societies, they kick you out of the house, except you are sharing in the bill. I think we are responsible for the failures of this generation, especially the African generation. People are adults. You are still condoning their indolence. Take them out of the house. Go make money. So even people already know, once they are getting close to 16, 18, they start looking for jobs. Summer jobs. That's why many of them mature faster than you. That you, are, you, are, you have an ownership mindset 
in your father's house. You will stretch your leg on the couch you didn't buy. With every sense of confidence. Adding nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Learn how to sell. Learn how to sell. Stop waiting for handouts. Learn how to sell. Don't be a burden and a liability. Over time, people will start running from you. You will call, they will not pick your call. If you change your number, they will still not pick it. If you call with another number, they will block it. Learn how to sell. Learn how to sell. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Learn how to sell. Sell something and be loud and shameless about it. I'm ashamed. Many of us, you are doing something. It's a skill. You are ashamed. There's a proverb where I come from. That is, shit money does not stink. Money is money. Just make sure it's legal. Just make sure it's legal. Some of you will be doing something. You now see some, some of your friends, maybe when you were in high school or maybe university, you now hide. What's wrong with you? Are you stealing the money? Some of you ladies that you know how to make up. Eh? Instead of sitting at home Saturday morning doing nothing, be looking for event centers and be doing makeup for people and be collecting money. You'll be amazed that you can go on with 30,000 that day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm just sitting at home watching Netflix with someone else's data. And now people saying this network is slow, this network is slow. What's wrong with you? It might be that God is the one making the network slow so that you can leave the house and go and make money. I'm complaining, complaining, complaining. You know how to tie gele. You only do that Thanksgiving Sunday. Go and tie it for other people. They will not chase you out of the event center. Look well. You two don't look like somebody who is in problem. <laughs> Dress well. Ah, auntie, do you want to tie your gele? I can help you. Someone is saying 2,000. You that you know you are hungry, you are desperate. You say, I will do my own 1,000. You just realize people will kill after you. By the time you do 10, you have made 10,000. You are not too young to make money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number three pillar is be a hard worker. Be a hard worker. Jesus said in John 5 and verse 17, My father works and I also work. My father does what? He works and I also work. There is no future for the idle. There is no future for the lazy. Being a lazy Christian is a contradiction. Because even Jesus that came to die for us was a worker. His work was so intense that what he did in three and a half years still has an impact thousands of years later. Be a hard worker. Be a hard worker. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying all those things. Entertainment, Netflix is wrong. I watch Netflix. But let it be a reward for tax accomplished. Don't let it be the work. Be a hard worker. <laughs> oh dear. Firstly, we remember this. I remember, I think it was 2019, when we were on vacation, and the place where we were, we were going home, you know, it's a, you know that place was a 24-hour city. And on our way back home to the hotel, I saw people walking, and I remembered our carpenter. Our carpenter, we say once it is four o'clock, he cannot climb stairs. No, let's say okay. He let him shoot. That is already getting that four o'clock. Ah! I saw that and I remembered him. I said, This man will die in poverty. Because 12 midnight, people were still walking. No wonder their country is walking. And many of us were like that. Any little thing. I'm tired, I need to rest. What's tiring you? It is good. The Bible says in Lamentations, I think, 3.27. He said, it is good for a man to bear his yoke in his youth. There are some things that if you don't do now, the opportunity to do it is forever gone. It's forever gone. He said, I'm going to relax. If you are sleeping too much, it's the demon of poverty that is hanging around you. And I'm not saying that as a form of, the Bible tells us that. He said, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to sleep. So shall your poverty come. Oh, poverty come. Poverty hangs around those who sleep too much. Because time they are supposed to be working, they are dozing off. They say, ah, this one is my candidate. <laughs> he recognizes them. He's not looking too far. He just checks the number of hours they sleep. Say, ah, this one, this is my candidate. I don't need to do too much. Be a hard worker. Be a hard worker. Just Booker T. Washington who said, if I'm washing floors, people will see the floor and they will know that Booker T. Washington washed this floor. Be a hard worker. Whatever it is you are doing, give it your best. 
Don't wait for people to come and buy from you. Go out and sell to them. You have products. The product is just... The product is already almost getting spoiled. You are selling clothes. You are now wearing the clothes yourself. Did you buy them to wear them? And I say, I want to be modeling. No. You are getting it wrong. Number four. Be a good steward of God's resources. Be a good steward of your resources. Be a good steward of your resources. Why? Because ultimately it is God's resources. There is nothing we have that we have not received. Everything came from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everything came from God. And let me tell you this. You will give an account of those resources. The Bible tells us that. You will give an account. You will give an account. Proverbs 21 and verse 20. The Bible says there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. It says, but a foolish man spends it all. It's not, you see, it's not because the money is not enough that you are spending it. It's because you are foolish. I didn't say you are foolish. The Bible said it. I was once foolish. But my life started changing when I recognized and accepted that I was a fool. If you don't accept your foolishness, wisdom will not enter your mind. When you are still rationalizing, even God does not understand. Wow, God does not understand. Wow, you are the depths, wells of understanding. So God, you have more understanding than God. No matter how small the money is, something must be saved. If you can't save 10,000, start to 500. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No matter how small you are earning or what is coming in, even if it's, big, if it's a gift, save out of it. Save out of it. And let me tell you this, you don't save to spend. <laughs> That's if I compound foolishness. You are starting the cycle all over again. You save to keep, to take advantage of future opportunities. Why do the rich become rich? Because they are liquid. So when an opportunity shows up, there are resources to take advantage of it. Some of you here, if somebody comes now and says, you know what, I have 10 acres of land. I need money fast, fast. I want to sell it 10,000 naira. That 10,000, that is, you can't drop the 10,000 because there is no savings. And God has brought opportunity. 10 acres, 10,000. I don't know, can it happen? Only God knows. But even that 10,000, some of us, if they give you one month, you still might not get it. You don't save to spend. No, now save. You now say one new phone has come out. So you now buy it. That's compound foolishness. There are monies you save for expenditure. There are monies you save to take advantage of future opportunities. And how do you become a good steward of God's resources in your hands? Divide your money into categories. Five categories. Write this down. Number one is necessity. 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 You must not spend more than 60% on your necessities. Necessity includes expenses, your bills, your rent, internet, giving. As believers, giving for us is a necessity. Tithing for us is a necessity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you like, it doesn't have to be necessary to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But don't tell me how to worship my God. Never buy a car you have to fast and pray to maintain. It's not a necessity. The point of a car is to move you from point A to point B as long as it's in a good condition. You don't have to move in style. If you can't afford it yet. The second category you must divide your money into is emergency. 10% minimum. Emergency. Nobody prays for an emergency but you must plan for one. Every of your income, at least 10% of it, that is at least 10% must go into an emergency fund. Number three is investment. 10% of your money must be saved for future investments and taking advantage of opportunities. Next is learning or personal development. Another 10%. Many, you know, we just finished a series on how to invest in yourself and in your future. You have to spend money on yourself. Spend money to learn. To go for courses workshops, trainings, to become better than 10% for fun, recreation, vacation, and all those things. What was that? Let's walk, walk, walk. Let me tell you this. They call it recreation for a reason. When you recreate, that's when you are recreated. You don't understand. The reason, let me tell you this, the part of the world where we don't believe in vacation and all those things, haven't you seen how far we have advanced? It is a culture in every developed country. Because it is during that time when you step out of your work that you are able to gain new perspective. 
As long as you are seeing the work, we ah, also, also do this. Ah, this. Some of you might need to start saving for the first time in your life. And let me tell you this nobody is saying you should go to where you can't afford. Go to Portacot. Go to Abuja. Go to different places. Go to Ibadan. Go to Abiyokuta. Go to the island. It's true. There are resorts there. Just relax. Rest. Take 10 days off work. Am I making sense? Someone say, ah, 10 days. Ah. If you can't take 10 days off work, something is terribly wrong with the order of your life. That's just the truth. And if possible, have a different bank account for these categories. If possible. If possible. So, you know this bank account is for this one. This one is for this one. This ATM is for this one. This one is for... So, you, you, this will not be mixed all over the place like... And as your income increases, reduce the amount spent on necessity and increase the amount going into investment, emergency, and learning categories. Number five, last but not the least, be a covenant practitioner and a consistent one. A covenant practitioner. The Bible says, have respect unto the covenant for the habitations of the earth is full of cruelty. The only thing that guarantees your safety in the times in which we live in is covenant practice. You might not like it, but that's the truth. And the foundation of every covenant practice is tithing. Tithing, some people say, is Old Testament. Why is it that during the pandemic you were quoting Psalm 91? Is Psalm 91 New Testament? Is it New Testament? He says, you know, it's Old Testament. And it is not Old Testament. Because in New Testament, Jesus validated tithing. You see, on the earth we give our tithe, right? But in heaven is the one that receives it. Let me tell you this. If you don't tithe, heaven will not miss it. You are the one that will know it. Heaven will not miss it. You and I, we are too small to feed God. Never forget that. You are, when we say tithing, it's not so that we want to help God. Ah, don't be user friendly. He can smite you. Uzzah was trying to help God. The action of for What? You are too small. You are, no, no matter how much you are earning, you are too small to support God. You are too small. So even in your tithing, you do it with humility. Now, Father, thank you for the privilege of returning to you. Out of that which you have blessed me with, I return this to you. Because it was not yours in the first place. Your government does not give you the benefit of trust to pay your tax. They simply take it before it comes into your hand. God said, I'm trusting you. I give it to you to give it back to me. But you know, many people are like children. They say, I know. You give a child biscuits. Five minutes later, give me out of the biscuits. The child says, no. What's wrong with this one? I gave it to you. Bring all the tithe. That's what the scripture says. Let me tell you this. If you are still battling with tithe, may the Lord help you. Because it is the ABC, the foundation of covenant practice. It's the ABC. And let me tell you, it's not the size, it's the proportion. So someone can give 10 naira because the income is 100 naira. It is tithe. It's not in the size. It's in the proportion. It's in the... Tithing is all about obedience. It's about the obedience. My pastor said something I never forgot. He said, when God impresses upon your heart to increase your tithe, it's simply because he's introducing you to your new level of income. That's why there are some of us, we cannot remember the last time we gave 10% tithe. I can't remember. That's just the truth. I'm telling you, it's over 10 years. So don't be arguing. You, 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 are not, you are not helping God. You are helping yourself. That's why when I tell you that, you see, some people just say things like, I can never be poor. They hear some men of God say it. You better don't say it if you don't know what is being done. Because it can be like the more you are saying it, the poorer you become. There are some of us that can never be in lack because we know what to do. Second, <laughs> is giving. Second covenant practice is giving. Luke 6 and verse 38. The Bible says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, present, shaking together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. If you are not a giver, you are not a believer. That's just the truth. The Bible says, John 3 16, For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Christianity was founded on the foundation of giving. If you are not a giver, you are not genuinely saved. That's just the truth. Or you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to walk on your spirit. You see, the mindset I have is this. God knows there is nothing he has given me that I cannot ask for any time. He knows. He knows. 
And I believe that's one of the reasons why my family is blessed. And if you're angry about it, you're just angry for nothing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And who's like, you should not be saying things like that. I'm saying because you are not the source of it. So you cannot be the one that will take it away. That's one of the things that I looked out for before I got married. Is a woman that is generous. That's why my wife has never argued with any giving. I said, God says we should do it. He said, oh really? That's good. Not, ah. Let me tell you, the devil can never tell you to give. Never. It's not in his nature. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John 10 and verse 10. But I've come that you might what have. You see, every time God asks you to give something, give maybe to his kingdom, give to somebody, it is because he wants to get something to you. The next covenant practice is honoring your parents. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Honoring who? Your parents. Even if they are a student. You say, I, I will not tell you what I did not do. Out of the pocket money they are giving you, take out of it and send credit. It's wisdom. Let me tell you, covenant practice don't make sense. That's why many people don't do it. I would rather live a life that does not make sense so that my blessing you will not be able to understand it. You see, some people have not been able to ask me directly, but I know, so, what do they do? What do they do? That's how you will be asking. Because what I'm doing, you are not doing. Honor your parents. Some of you, you are working, your parents are not on salary. <laughs> you might be enjoying now, but let me tell you, suffering is waiting in the future. That's just the truth. Honor is not prostrating and kneeling down. It is giving out of your substance. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of your increase. The same way you honor God is the way you honor men. Honor your parents. Some of us don't have biological parents anymore. We explain the role of a parent in your life. Honor them. You hear what I'm saying? Honor them. I will not tell you to do what I'm not doing. Because the Bible says concerning Jesus that the things he began to do and to preach, if I tell you something, I'm doing it. In fact, I can tell you that half of what I do, you don't know. I've never told anybody. The only person that knows is my wife. And some people that are privileged, close to me, see some of those things when I do it sometimes. Because it's not for me to tell you. If I tell you the simple ones and you don't do it, that's all. Honor your parents. Honor your parents. And let it be consistent. Let it be consistent. You can't be telling you forgot. You forgot. What if your parents forgot to send you to school? Now, they have sent you to school. You are earning money now. And I say, you forgot. May God not forget you. Say, I, I forgot. I for Set reminder and alarm. Set it. If it is the last day of the month, if it is the first day of the month, the blessing that will proceed from your soul. I'll be from their soul to you. Let me tell you, there is a blessing of the mouth. There is a blessing of the soul. The day you start receiving the blessing of the soul, your life will change. Many of us have really not been blessed by our parents. Let me tell you the truth. Your parents have never blessed you. They just say, ah, God will bless you. That's not blessing. That's not blessing. Blessing is when they begin to speak words and they pause. They pause. Because they are thinking of what to say next. That's blessing. I know the difference. I entered into the difference and I know. So my biological parents, my spiritual parents, I honor them. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Let me tell you, they don't need it. You are the one that needs it. I was listening to someone, you know, who is also very close to my, you know, my pastor during the course of the week. First lady and I were listening. And we discovered something. I said, ah, this one is a deeper level. And I said, that's where we are going now. That's where we are going now. Honor, honor, honor. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Number four, help those in need. Help those in need. Help those in need. And just like I told us, the poor and the needy are not the same. The needy are simply someone who is going through a challenging season. And you know about it. Don't shut your eyes to it as if you did not hear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't just pretend as if you can't hear. A brother is going through something in church or maybe at the workplace and you hear about it. Don't just pretend. Oh, oh, every man for himself, God for us all. No, as believers, we don't do that. You help those in need. Next, you help the poor. These are covenant practices. Help the poor. The fact that you are giving tight honoring your parents does not mean you don't give to the poor. I'm still trying to work more on this. First lady is an expert at this. <laughs> when we just got married, we just opened the safe and be giving my son. Are you alright? <laughs> Can they work? <laughs> but I have to learn it. 
and last but not the least, embrace a lifestyle of integrity. Embrace a what? A lifestyle of integrity. Yesterday, the Holy Spirit told me something for the first time. He said in every business deal and transaction, it is better to lose money than lose your integrity. It is better to lose what? Money than losing your integrity. <laughs> a life of financial impropriety will leave you and your generation penniless. Write, down, down, write that down and never forget it. Media, please help us with Zechariah chapter 5 and verse 1 to 4. This scripture will put you in check for the rest of your days. Zechariah 5 verse 1 to 4. Zechariah chapter 5 and verse 1 to 4. The Bible says, Then I turned and lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a flying roll. And he said unto me, What do you see? And I answered, I see a flying roll. The length of it thereof is 20 cubits. And the breadth thereof, 10 cubits. Zechariah 5 verse 1 to 4. Then said he unto me, This is the cause that goes forth over the face of the whole earth. For everyone that steals shall be cut off. As on this side according to it, and everyone that sweareth shall be cut off as on that side according to it. I will bring it forth, says the Lord of hosts. So it's not a matter of probability. It will happen. It says, And it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that swears falsely by my name. And it shall remain in the house. Don't put your future generation in trouble. The Bible says the cost will remain in the house. Now look at what it says. This is the dangerous part. It says, and it will consume it. The cost will consume it with timber and the stones thereof. It simply means it will consume it until there is nothing left. A thief is a thief. Whether it's stealing government's money, whether it's stealing company's money, whether it's stealing wife's money, whether it's stealing uncle brother's money, a thief is a thief. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A thief is a thief. Whether he's stealing it online or offline, a thief is a thief. And the Bible says the cause of the Lord is in the house of the thief. And it will consume everything in it, even including the stones. Have you seen stone consumed before? No. But God is saying that this one, even the stone will be consumed until he's left with nothing. Let me tell you this. It's better to not have and never have than to have and not now have. Is a bad place to be in. Because we have tasted a good life. Now you now have to be adjusting to not having. The last scripture I want to show you is Jeremiah 17 and verse 11. Jeremiah 17 and verse 11. <laughs> Jeremiah 17 and verse 11. The Bible says that the patriarch sits on the eggs and asks them not. So he that gets riches and not by what? And not by what? By right. Shall leave them in the midst of his days. It simply means, number one, he will not live long. Number two, at his end, he shall be a what? A fool. God will ensure that his foolishness becomes apparent unto all. A man that gets riches and not by right. I want to believe there is nobody like that in this house this morning. But let me tell you this. A money you get illegally, don't bring the tithe here. It can reverse a curse on you instead of a blessing. Don't bring it here. Nobody's begging for money. God is not in need. If you are going to tithe any money, let it be out of money gained legally. You can't be stealing from people and you not say we are bringing it to church. No, 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 no. You don't do that. You don't do that. How you hear what I'm saying? Don't say, you know, there are as many things people are doing nowadays. And when they talk to you, they talk to you as if they are stupid, like you are not educated. It is Yahoo, but they are trying to say, you know, you know I, I, I do online business. Are you, do you think I didn't go to school? The Bible says he will leave it in the midst of his days, and at his end, he shall be a fool. He shall be a fool. May you not die as a fool. In the name of Jesus. May you not die as a fool. Where you have experienced lack, in this month of May, may you experience abundance. In the name of Jesus. In this month of May, may you experience...